latest episode of the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this special bonus Ask an Expert episode, I'm joined by Dr. Andreas Fox. Qualified from Oxford University, Dr. Fox worked as a consultant plastic and aesthetic surgeon for some of London's largest and most prestigious hospitals before moving to Sydney to pursue a career in non-invasive medical aesthetics. With over 20 years of experience, Dr. Fox was who I felt was the ideal doctor to objectively answer your questions and bust some myths around cellulite, skin firming and skin tightening. Away from our regular brand founder conversations, I am asked so many highly specific questions about the skin. And given that I am an educated consumer and by no means an expert, it would be so unethical for me to even attempt to address those skin concerns, which is why I insist on taking those questions to a medical doctor. This Ask an Expert series is giving you, the Glow Journal audience, unprecedented access to medical doctors, professors and dermatologists. And while the series is sponsored by Candela Medical, doctors legally and ethically have to remain completely objective in interviews like this. For this reason, this series is giving you, the listeners, completely unbiased expert answers to your most specific skin questions, questions that I cannot answer myself. As mentioned, this episode is sponsored by Candela Medical. However, all of Dr. Fox's views are entirely his own and... As per any interview with a doctor, you will hear no specific product recommendations throughout this interview. As per recent episodes, this conversation was recorded remotely, so I have made the entire episode transcript available on glowjournal.com, so you can read along as you listen should you wish to. To find the transcript, simply visit glowjournal.com and search Candela Medical. In this episode, we've taken the questions you submitted on cellulite and skin firming to Dr. Fox. From what cellulite actually is and whether or not topical creams, scrubs and body brushing can do anything to reduce its appearance, through to what can be done to tighten the skin post-C-section and if laser treatments can or cannot work to firm, lift and tighten the body. So before we start talking treatments, I think it's really important to actually know what we're treating. So to start, what is cellulite? Well, Gemma, good question. Um, Cellulite is essentially a condition of the skin and of the underlying fatty tissues. Um, It it results in a sort of cobblestone appearance with lumpiness and dimples, primarily affecting uh, the buttocks and the outer thigh area, although it can be seen also in the upper arms and the lower tummy as well. Um, Variable in its severity and variable in its distribution. Now, essentially, there are two components components to cellulite. There is a skin component and there's a fatty tissue component. The skin component, which is often the most troublesome, essentially consists of cords. Now, if you imagine a piece of string that is stuck to the underside of your uh, skin and pulls downwards and is attached to the deep tissues, uh, commonly muscle or the connective tissue just above the muscle that surrounds the muscle and pulls down and that gives you this sort of dimpling. And then on either side, the specific architecture of the fatty tissue results in that sort of bouncy appearance upwards. So you get this sort of lumpy, bumpy, dimply, cobblestone 
stony appearance. But there are two components to that. There's the skin bit and there's the fatty tissue component. So it makes it much more challenging to sort of get your hand around, how do I go about treating this? So do we actually know what causes cellulite and if there's anything that we can do to minimise our chances of getting it down the track? Yeah, sure. Look, um, the causes are unclear. Uh, the underlying pathophysiology is not uh, anywhere really in the literature very clearly understood or explained. Uh, but we do know that there are risk factors and there are therefore certain things that we can do uh, in order to uh, reduce the chances or uh, minimise uh, the extent of the cellulite. And um, women, for a start, uh, why do women get uh, cellulite is so much more common in women than it is in men. Um, a few reasons, uh, really. This most commonly relates to the distribution of fatty tissue. Um, it's much more common to have pockets of fatty tissue around the thighs and buttocks in uh, ladies than in the gents. Uh, and also the actual architecture of the fat cells just underneath the surface of the skin is different. Um, so it, it, therefore sex is the biggest risk factor. Uh, in development of cellulite. Um, weight can also be an issue and we can talk about that uh, a bit later on. Um, things like lack of exercise, therefore not having such firm toned uh, muscle to support those strings and therefore as the muscle flops downwards a little bit more it will pull a little bit more downwards giving the, the dimpling a worse appearance whereas if you've got a more toned uh, say lateral thigh muscle that it will provide a far more stable base and therefore uh, that cord isn't as tightly pulling downwards um, hormonal factors can also affect uh, that and it relates also to why is it potentially worse in or after pregnancy. Um, there are also genetic reasons. It just runs in families. And the fact that especially the more severe types of cellulite are seen in families uh, tells me that this is like a lot of things, multifactorial. It's not one thing. There are lots of different things. There are genetic and environmental components to it. Um, uh, look, uh, age is another thing because uh, lack of uh, elastin and collagen uh, in older age results in, in less elastic skin, which can't resist that pulling down motion. So uh, in summary, no, we don't know what causes it. There are many different factors that contribute to its development and some people get it worse than others. I'm so glad that you've touched on so many different reasons there because I feel like one of the biggest myths is that it's just weight related. We think, oh, mm. I've put on a bit of weight, so oh, my sure. cellulite's so bad now. But can you talk to me a bit about that? Obviously, you've mentioned that it's to do with sort of these fatty pockets, but it's not yeah. just weight related, is it? No, it's not. And in fact, uh, a lot of my clients who are not particularly overweight and have cellulite seem really frustrated. And uh, I think the reason for that and, and how I explain it to my say slimmer clients is that distribution and architecture of fatty tissue that is the key to the development of cellulite and therefore you don't need a lot of fatty tissue in order to get the appearance of cellulite now those sort of body types i.e a, a reasonable bmi with a good exercise and diet regime um will have slightly less extensive cellulite and slightly milder, but they will have it. And that really comes down to the fact that the fatty cells just underneath the skin have a particular distribution and a particular organization that is independent of the amount of fatty cells. And so it really comes down to the fact that at the end of the day, 
it's, it's, it's the arrangement of fatty cells on the underside of the skin that gives you that appearance. Some will have it worse than others. No doubt if you're overweight, you're carrying a little bit more weight, especially in the more vulnerable areas, that uh, will make the distribution more extensive and the severity greater. I had a number of listeners ask mm. about post-pregnancy cellulite. I've had one listener ask, does cellulite actually get worse with pregnancy or is that a myth? Yeah, look, there again, uh, that's a really good question because it's it's something that I very commonly get asked. Um, and I, I think there is certainly a worsening of uh, cellulite with pregnancy. It is possible to get worsening of cellulite around, especially towards the end of pregnancy and also after pregnancy. So I've never had it before and now I have it. What's going on? Why do I have cellulite suddenly after I've already given birth? What are the causes and, and why is that? Um, again, it's a multifactorial thing, but uh, because it's a common question, I just want to spend a little bit of time on that. Sure. During pregnancy, there is a change in lifestyle. So there will be perhaps a reduction in the amount of exercise there may be some changes in diet based around cravings, based around um, not being so conscientious about controlling junk food or whatever things that change uh, as a result of pregnancy. Um, so a lifestyle component that results in an alteration in your vulnerability, if you like, for want of a better word. Um, also during pregnancy, some women suffer more than others degree of water retention. And this affects various regions of the body and indirectly exacerbates the pockets of cellulite uh, and makes it more obvious. So it's there, but it becomes much more obvious. There are also hormonal changes. And there is some evidence to suggest that various hormones that are uh, whose levels are vulnerable and changing during um, pregnancies such as estrogen or prolactin uh, and also uh, um, insulin and thyroxine um, have an effect on various metabolic processes that increase vulnerability. Um, and also the physical increase of weight. As you sit down, if you're heavier, there's greater pressure at the side of the buttocks or the lateral thighs, for example, and that uh, can create a few more of the indentations that result in cellulite. So there are lots of different reasons why you may get worsening of existing cellulite or the beginning of cellulite when you didn't have it before. The likelihood is that you did have it. It was really mild and it just wasn't on your radar. You didn't see it particularly in any noticeable way. Uh, but there are lots of different things that change during pregnancy uh, that make you a little bit more vulnerable. So I think it's a very valid question. Uh, I think it's a, it's a reasonable uh, problem to want to resolve after pregnancy. I've had another listener tell me that she has never really had issues with cellulite before. So perhaps this is what you've just mentioned in that she did have it and just didn't notice it. Yeah. But since giving birth, she said she has really, really obvious cellulite on her legs. So what would be her best treatment options? So look, the first thing to do is accept that there will be some fine tuning of your physiology back to status quo. So lactation, which happens after pregnancy, also comes about through changes in hormone levels. So all I would say to uh, somebody who would come and see me, for example, I would say, just give it enough time after you've stopped breastfeeding and see what degree of correction you have. Once you're back to you feel you're getting towards your pre-pregnancy shape and just the way of feeling, which tells me that your physiology is becoming a little bit more steady state and a little bit more back to normal. Then um, 
if there is still a persistent problem, then we can assess it at that point. It's foolhardy to try to intervene at a point where there may still be some natural improvement and resolution of the problem. Um, so I think it's really important to not rush into trying to deal with an issue, whatever that post-pregnancy issue is, until you're way past the breastfeeding stage and you're, you feel that you're getting back to normal again. Can you talk to me a bit about laser and cellulite? I received a number of questions about mm. uh, vela shape. What is this sure. and is it sure. a viable option for cellulite reduction? Sure, sure. So lots of different devices on the market uh, doing uh, a variety of jobs in an effort to try and get uh, to the bottom of this. Um, vela shape per se is a device that uses a combination of treatments. There is vacuum technology that brings the skin much closer to the device. And then there is a combination of infrared and radio frequency. Uh, equally, there are devices that uh, use laser. Fundamentally, what is the aim of this is to create a degree of damage to the fat cells and a degree of remodeling to uh, the cords. Now, it's really difficult to get a device that does these things together. Uh, personally, I use Profound. I think for me, when it comes to cellular, that is by far the most effective device on the market from the point of view that it deals with very effectively the skin and the cords and the fatty tissue. Um, but uh, as far as some of the other devices are concerned, say for Vila Shape, you would expect the results at about eight to 10 weeks. Uh, it's probably better for reduction in fatty tissue. So for a heavier client that has a little bit of cellulite, but also quite a, a large diameter, say of the upper thigh, then that would be a more effective uh, choice. It's particularly good at fat reduction, not so effective at dealing with the cords that pull downwards. Um, it's not always a permanent thing. That's the issue because not all the fat cells are permanently destroyed. So uh, they are able to extend themselves again. We're all born with a certain number of fat cells. They don't increase in number, they increase in size. And so if you effectively eliminate them, they won't come back. Surrounding fat cells will come back. If you haven't effectively eliminated them, then they may survive and then begin to grow again. Um, multiple treatments, that's a, a common aspect of some of these devices, VelaShape, including I think the, the third generation of VelaShape uh, has improved a number of treatments. I think they're now down to about three. And of course, response varies. Uh, and that is the commonality to any of these devices. You mentioned the profound in there, which is great because mm. I did receive some questions on that as well. Could you talk a bit more about that and how it works? Yeah, sure. So profound uses tiny needles to direct radio frequency to the target tissue of uh, interest. So the radio frequency is essentially a form of energy that creates a very specific and uh, very accurate thermal injury. And the body responds very effectively to a thermal injury and heals with the components that were there already. So what I really like about profound is that it deals with the skin. So the skin part of profound will return collagen and elastin and hyaluronic acid to the deep layer of the skin that gives us that elasticity that bounce that firmness um, the literature also shows us that very clearly the cords that i mentioned at the beginning are remodeled to become much more elastic and therefore less likely to pull downwards and at the same time the fatty tissue component of profound eliminates effectively the fatty cells because you're inserting the needles and therefore the source of um, radio frequency that results in the heating at the point of 
contact, it's far more effective at eliminating those fat cells. And heat is a very, um, it's probably one of the best types of injury in inverted commas that the body will respond to. So that's why I've, I've really seen some great results with Profound, simply because I feel that it really deals with both the issues that we spoke about, skin and the cords that I put together as the skin problem, and also the fatty tissue pockets on either side of the cords. And does that one require repeat treatments as well? Oh, no, look, the uh, my American colleagues will call it one and done. Um, <laughs> the reason why it's, it's a very long-term result is that the body will heal, as I said earlier, with what was there before. So it very naturally replaces collagen, elastin, and hyaluronic acid. And once it responds to the thermal injury and replaces the uh, constituent proteins and hyaluronic acid, they will stay there. Once you injure effectively and specifically the fat cells, they will be uh, absorbed by the body and treated as dead cells effectively. Now, if you change your habits, and you put on a lot of weight, you're obviously much more vulnerable to that recurring. But in principle, this is not something that we will do again and again and again. Now, the rate limiting factor is the amount of volume of local anesthetic. So if a client has extensive cellulite, I will tend to treat the area that is particularly troublesome first, and then come back and treat another area. Um, it is possible, of course, to have profound and a general anesthetic, in which case you can deal uh, with the whole area as, as, as one uh, session. Uh, but in a clinic scenario where you walk in and walk out, um, usually what I will do is uh, treat the most severe areas first and then come back and deal with other areas if they are extensive. To be honest, a lot of my clients have the distribution that I can deal with in one session, so it's not too much of a, of a problem. You have touched on a few of them, but what would you say are the big key differences between Profound and Vila Shape? I think um, the ability to deal with the skin component is more effective in Profound. The ability to deal with the fatty tissue is probably more effective with Vila Shape. I think that the easiest thing to deal with is the fatty tissue. So the reason why I've sort of steered towards Profound is that it's far more effective, uh, in my eyes at least, uh, in dealing with uh, the skin component. And that is the most challenging, most difficult part. Um, I'm not so concerned about the fatty tissue. I'm happy with the degree of minimalization, if you like, of the fatty tissue with Profound. Uh, but as I said at the beginning, Villa Shape is good if you've got lots and lots of fatty tissue and not so much of a, uh, an issue with the skin. When treating cellulite, do different areas of the body need to be treated differently? Uh, look, again, it depends if it's more of a skin thing or more of a fatty component. So the, the key is to is the accurate and appropriate assessment. So like anything, choose your clinician. If you're happy and confident with your clinician and their expertise, then they will make the right decision for you. But it's a, it's a, it's a smart question because when I assess the cellulite, if I feel that there is a more significant skin component rather than fatty tissue component, I will really focus on that. Uh, if I feel that there is more fatty tissue component than skin issues, I will spend more time trying to deal with the fatty tissue. So it really varies. It really varies. And the most important thing is to, really get an expert opinion and uh, be happy that the, the clinician who is looking at you and treating you has a degree of expertise in dealing with this. A listener writes in saying, I have deep dimples on my backside. Is mm. this cellulite? 
It may be. Look, it's it's the most likely cause, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the absence of an injury, trauma, surgery, uh, things like that, it is most likely to be the issue. Deep dimples, that's going to be primarily a, um, a skin and cord issue. So that's actually a good example of um, the, the degree of contribution of the two components. Not everybody has the same degree of issue. Some people may have very, very light dimples, but quite a sort of cottage cheese or orange peel appearance throughout that tells me that the skin component is not too bad, but it's more of a fatty tissue component. I will focus on that. But somebody who says I've got really deep dimples, and then when I look at them, I'm like, oh my God, that is a much more of a skin issue rather than a fatty tissue issue. So again, diagnosis, careful consideration of the cause is important in trying to decide the best way to treat it. Something that I was asked a lot about, topical Mm. treatments. Can topical skincare products like creams and scrubs actually reduce cellulite? Oh, my goodness, Gemma. Um, Where do I start with that? Okay, so... Wherever you want to, because I get asked this probably three times a day and I've got some thoughts, but I'm sure yours are a little bit more articulate than mine. All right, all right. Look, um, certain facts about this. Anything that you put on the skin, anything that is topical, will remain at the very superficial levels of the skin. That is what it's designed to do. That is where it works. So at no point can we say that topical skincare products will treat the underlying cause. And therefore, if you're not treating the underlying cause, the only thing that you can achieve is camouflage, which is fine if you're happy to accept the fact that there will be recurrence and recurrence and recurrence. And the degree of camouflage um, is, is very variable. And so all I say is use it in conjunction with something that will treat the underlying cause. Um, there are very few studies that have been well uh, controlled and conducted to show that any of the various topical treatments are particularly effective. Um, there, there will be proponents of one versus the other for, for various reasons, but there is such variability in the response because we are all different. And, you know, you and I may have slightly different collagen elastin. We may have slightly different fatty tissue distribution, slightly different degrees of uh, cords pulling downwards. Um, we are all different and therefore it's highly unlikely that one thing will be good for all of us because we know that this is a very multifactorial thing. So by all means, if you want to try a topical treatment, try it, see if it works for you, moderate your expectations, accept that this is camouflage, um, but not with uh, dealing with the underlying cause. And that may be enough, you know, it may be fine. But at the end of the day, if it's something that really troubles you and you're not getting the sort of improvement that you feel with a, a topical uh, application, then I think looking at dealing with the underlying cause and then also use a topical application to camouflage a far more mild uh, outcome is probably the way to do it. What about something like dry body brushing? I had a few listeners ask if this can help at all. Yeah, sure. Now, look, um, it's it's designed to stimulate blood flow and uh, really anything that does that in principle uh, could promote 
more collagen, more elastin uh, production, faster turnover of cells, and so on and so forth. It's it, there aren't any again there there aren't any decent studies that would say yes or no either way. Um, it's a very simplistic way of looking at it. Again, it doesn't treat the underlying cause particularly effectively uh, or specifically or accurately. But I can understand the rationale behind using it. And it goes a little bit like my advice with topical treatments. By all means, try it, moderate your expectations, accept that the outcome and improvement may not be dramatic. But if for some reason it works for you, great. God, we are busting some myths. I love it. I was also <laughs> asked a lot about diet. Is there any yeah. truth to claims that certain foods can reduce our chances of getting cellulite or reduce the appearance of existing cellulite? My goodness, Gemma, every week there is something that is either good for you or bad for you. Every week. This, is, this causes cellulite, this treats cellulite. Um, look, again, there are these are only observational studies. They're not particularly well uh, controlled. It's very hard to prove because there are so many confounding factors, um, very hard to correlate. Um, again, because we're all different. If um, I give you a tablet A and I give it, also to somebody else, you get a really good improvement, they don't. Is it because of the tablet or is it because of something else intrinsic within each of you? So it's very difficult to prove that anything works. Um, so a lot of this uh, data and a lot of these reports are anecdotal and observational. Um, my fundamental advice to clients is that you are defined by your habits, not your indiscretions. No matter what you do in life, if you have a balanced diet and a reasonable amount of exercise, you will be defined by that. Whether or not there are a few indiscretions at uh, the weekend or at some point in the week, that's fine. But get into a good, healthy routine of exercise and, and a decent diet in the majority of the time. And I wouldn't really... Um, try particularly hard to eliminate this or add the other. But again, if in doubt, try it. If it works for you, great. It's the same with um, a lot of alternative medicine. Um, I would never say that I'm against it. I just say don't keep keep hold of the conventional that has good science base. And by all means, add to that something different that is perhaps less scientific. And sometimes things work even though we don't have good science behind it. And so by all means, try it. But I wouldn't focus on eliminating or adding certain things. But I do appreciate there's plenty of uh, reports that suggest this is good for you. This is more likely to give you better or less cellulite. And this is definitely a bad thing for cellulite. And there are good reasons for some of those um, substances and, and, and dietary things. But look, I just think um, it probably wouldn't be my priority in trying to treat cellulite. Moving on a bit from cellulite, mm. what about skin that we want to firm or tighten? What causes skin that isn't quite as firm as we would like? Yeah, good question. Um, several things. Uh, and I think of them in two categories, intrinsic to the skin and uh, issues either above or below the skin. So intrinsic to the skin first. Uh, the degree of collagen, elastin, and hyaluronic acid are essential in determining the firmness of skin. And so as we age, for example, from our pretty much late 20s onwards, we begin to lose and metabolize collagen, elastin, hyaluronic acid. And so um, we lose intrinsically the, 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 the bounce and firmness that we would have had in our teens and, and 20s. Um, and so that is the commonest skin-related 
thing or factor that results in lack of firmness and, and, and loose skin. And then there are other uh, considerations. So for example, um, if you consider skin around the face, there are certain points along the face whereby the skin is connected to the underlying skeleton by ligaments. So when these also lose their firmness and elasticity, they are not as effective at propping up and keeping up the skin. Similarly, underlying muscle tone, if there isn't that sort of firmness to support the skin, then there is far easier platform for skin to become loose. Um, very similarly, factors from above the skin. So if we don't use SPF, if we allow the effects of, uh, say, UVA and UVB and various other environmental pollutants to have their effects on the top layer, uh, that will also have effects on uh, the degree of collagen and elastin, cellular turnover, and so on and so forth. So I think there are, in summary, components within the skin, principally collagen, elastin, and HA, hyaluronic acid, and uh, components uh, or factors above and below the skin, which could be anything from muscle tone, ligaments, and environmental pollutants. You've mentioned how there are a couple of different, I guess, categories of loose skin. Is there mm. a difference between just quite general skin firming and tightening compared to treating something like loose skin from the stomach post-pregnancy or other areas yeah. after quite extreme weight loss? Are there are yeah, sure, sure, ways sure. you'd treat it? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think it, when treating anything, you need to think, what is the underlying cause and how can I address that? So lack of firmness around, uh, say, the lower part of the face, then that is a different way of treating things than, say, the looseness and lack of firmness in the lower part of the tummy posts a significant weight loss and pregnancy. And so you need to really look at what is the underlying cause and then how can I address that cause? So, for example, the excess skin that results in the lower part of the tummy uh, post-pregnancy uh, or after significant weight loss, that may actually require a surgical solution. Whereas um, lack of firmness, say, to the lower third of the facial skin may simply require some uh, skin booster technology or some dermal filler uh, or some uh, topical treatments as well as uh, subcutaneous or treatments below the skin. So there are different treatments uh, for different conditions. And the most important thing, and I go back to this, is that you're comfortable that your clinician has the level of experience and expertise that is necessary to really understand the fundamentals of what is the cause of this problem and what are my options in treating the problem. But you're right to ask the question because there are many different causes and therefore many different treatments. A listener asks, what is the best thing that I can do to firm the bottom half of my stomach after a C-section? Yeah, okay, that's a, that's a fair question. Um, again, it, there are lots of causes for that and therefore we need to address uh, those in turn. So if there is any excess tissue, then we need to consider whether or not there is a need to surgically remove and or at least revise the uh, abdominal closure at the uh, point of the C-section. And this usually declares itself once everything has healed and you're post breastfeeding and you're feeling as if you're, I'm kind of back to my post-pregnancy physiology and, and feeling and body habitus. If you then think this is excess skin, I didn't really have this beforehand, it may well require a surgical attention. Now, 
other more subtle ways of improving things is improving core stability and tone of the lower abdominal muscles. So yes, going to Pilates or, or specifically addressing the abs once you're up and around and getting back into the gym again uh, would help to an extent to maintain a degree of firmness uh, in the skin if the problem is subtle. Another listener asks, are there any laser treatments that would work for the ridges made by stretch marks and the loose skin from weight loss? Uh, yes, you can use laser to treat stretch marks of any cause. And like any treatment for stretch marks, if they're relatively new and thin, they will respond uh, better to treatment. Um, again, variable response, and it may well help. So, my approach to uh, stretch marks is treat early rather than uh, sitting on it and leaving it and say, will it get better? Uh, topical treatments can uh, help to camouflage again, but fundamentally, yes, we need to get a little bit of more collagen and elastin uh, in the underlying tissue and surrounding tissue to try and improve that. Again, moderating expectations. We don't have an eraser to rub over a stretch mark and make it go away. But if it's something that bothers you, it's worth getting an expert opinion about it. There are lots of different ways of treating it. I received a number of questions around microcurrent technology for skin firming. What mm. is microcurrent and how does it work? Sure. Uh, so microcurrent is essentially the use of low voltage current in order to stimulate some underlying muscles, i.e. giving them a bit of a workout, and also to increase the amount of blood supply and collagen turnover. Um, it also decreases the degree and amount of protein degradation. Now, the best uh, evidence in the literature is really based on facial uh, muscles. And so... Um, Translating that to a bigger surface area and bigger muscles, I'm not quite sure that there's the evidence base to justify doing that. Uh, and again, the response is variable. Now, you need a lot of sessions. And one of the biggest criticisms is that um, you, you'll be in and out of a clinic at infinitum. And in fact, one of the better scientific papers uh, conceded that the, the biggest disadvantage is that they needed up to 30 sessions in order to get the best results. And the best evidence is for muscles of the forehead. Um, but I really think I can achieve a very similar outcome, very natural and very authentic with a little bit of Botox. Um, so it's not something that I particularly advocate just because I think the evidence base is not that great for areas outside the face and we have better ways of dealing uh, with uh, facial skin issues. Well, it's just such a big commitment, isn't it? It is. It's anything that has commitment of time and requires several sessions is going to be uh, an issue because you need to stick to the, the many factors that determine whether or not you're able to make it uh, to the clinic uh, as often as is required. Um, and again, the response is variable. So uh, you're committing time, money and effort towards something that you're not exactly sure how much of a response you will get from. Much like the questions that I received from listeners around cellulite, I was sent many, many, many queries around topical skincare once again. Is there anything at all that topical skincare can do to firm and tighten the skin? Uh, look, again, we there are lots of uh, advocates of various different types of uh, skin products. Um, we must accept, as I touched on before, that this is a camouflage of the problem and not a particularly effective 
way of treating the problem, which is fine. And really the, the essence is to improve skin hydration and promote uh, collagen and elastin. The effectiveness of any of these products is variable. So before undertaking you know, bulk buy of any product, try it for a little bit in a small area and see if it responds particularly well for you. But there is no one single thing out there that has been shown to effectively for everyone uh, deal with the uh, the symptoms, even the camouflaging aspects of it. Um, and so, because it's so multifactorial, it's a pathology that has lots of different components to it. So I think if in doubt, buy a small amount, put it over a small area, see how it responds in you. But I just think also the meaning of the word firm has been lost as well. So many of these products that are that claim to be firming lotions are chemical exfoliants. So yes, you're smoothing the texture sure. of the skin, but are you firming and lifting? Not necessarily. I agree with you. I agree with you. And I think um, it's often the case of over-promise and under-deliver mm. when it comes to the sort of ah, the dry brushing, the uh, topical things. Uh, I think a, a lot of it is effective marketing rather than effective uh, outcomes and results uh, and I think people deserve to have better information as I said it's fine not to have concrete science but you need to sort of show that you know of all of our um, uh, clients that have used particular X treatment a topical treatment, for example. Um, these are the sort of people that got the best results. These are the sort of people that didn't get a great result. If you're more like this person, you're more likely to get a result. That's not exciting marketing, but it's actually quite honest. So I think um, if something sounds as if it's really great, I, yeah, I would take it with a pinch of salt. If it sounds too good to be true, there's a, there's a large chance Probably that it is. Right. Go with your instincts on that one. Perhaps <laughs> sure. a nice kind of all-encompassing note to wrap up on. One listener yes. asks, what is the definitive, very best way to firm and tighten the skin and get rid of cellulite? Oh my, there's a Nobel Prize right there, isn't there? <laughs> I mean, you know, whoever identifies the one golden bullet... That's it. You know, they, Good luck you'll be to off them. to Stockholm as and when we're allowed to travel again and collect your Nobel Prize for medicine. Um, look, there is, there's no such thing as one thing. The reason for that is that the causes are multifactorial. The underlying physiology of each individual is different. And so it's asking a lot of one thing to work really effectively for everyone. And so it goes back to uh, what I mentioned earlier. Choose your clinician with care. See somebody who's an expert in the field. Uh, make sure that you get assessed appropriately and that your questions are answered. There's never such thing as a silly question. Ask whatever you need to ask. Make sure that you're in safe, capable, competent hands and follow the advice of your clinician. Any clinician worth their soul will always tell you that this is not something that we can just magically get rid of, but we can improve significantly. And so it's a matter of doing the right thing for the right person using the right tool. That was Dr. Andreas Fox of Artisan Aesthetics Group, who you can find online at artisanclinics.com. You can discover more about Candela Medical, including the laser treatments I personally rely on, at candelamedical.com forward slash au or on Instagram at candelamedicalanz. To read this interview, you can visit glowjournal.com 
And for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at gemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you like this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me.